As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Understand, defend, and share your faith with confidence. This is Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. Thank you for joining us on Unapologetic. I'm Ruth Jackson. And before we hear from today's guest, just a quick reminder to visit premierunbelievable.com for more shows, articles, and resources. And if you register or sign up for our newsletter there, you can get yourself a plethora of free ebooks. But now for today's show. I'm joined by the wonderful John Swinton, Professor in Practical Theology and Pastoral Care at Aberdeen University. John spent 16 years as a psychiatric nurse before becoming an ordained minister in the Church of Scotland. John, would you just describe what we mean by Holy Week? And then I want to hear what it means to you personally. But before we do that, just just what is Holy Week, if people have never heard of that? Well, Holy Week is, is the, the week that occurs before the uh, cross and the resurrection of Jesus. So it's that time, a crucial time for Christians, where Jesus begins to move towards Jerusalem, begins to recognize the horribleness of what's happened to him, other people are not really recognizing that. In fact, on Palm Sunday, everybody thinks this is a wonderful thing. But Jesus knows what's going on there. Uh, and then through to the, uh, to the cross, to the emptiness of Holy Saturday, to the joy of the resurrection. So it's a kind of timeful movement for this fundamental to the nature of what Christians believe. And what does Holy Week mean to you personally? Well, it's a time of... of peacefulness, it's a time of hopefulness, um, but it's also a time of kind of, I don't know, lostness as well. Because, I mean, there's something, there's a beauty in the resurrection, obviously. The resurrection is a hope, the resurrection is on the other side. We're all, in that sense, moving towards there. But the thing about Holy Week that always strikes me as troublesome is just that impending sense of, not quite doom, but of the horror of the cross. And the way in which even Jesus himself uh, was, you know, so anxious, so troubled by that, but at the same time so courageous that to be able to move through to that. And I think that, that the beauty of, of that dimension of um, Jesus' journey is that he was fearful, but he was courageous. Because sometimes as Christians we think, well, we've got to have no fear whatsoever. And I think You've got to be courageous. That is to recognize your fear and to push on even in the midst of that. And so that that courageousness of Jesus is profound. Uh, But then for me, the cross is just so painful. 
because the Gospels are so beautiful. You know, the stories of Jesus are so wonderful. And, and the way in which that, that Jesus' character is, is uh, drawn up, is narrated through that, and then suddenly your friend, the healer, is on this cross in this horrible situation. Um, and I just find, I, I just always find that a, a source of brokenness. Right? Because I realize that uh, we still, in many ways, live on this side of the cross. Uh, and just when it comes to that point, uh, I, I find a, a sense of brokenness within me. So it means all of these things. Holy Week starts with Palm Sunday. What is Palm Sunday and why is that significant in Christianity? Well, Palm Sunday was the time when uh, the people in Jerusalem uh, assumed that Jesus was the Messiah in the way that they wanted him to be. So Palm Sunday is when Jesus rides into Jerusalem on the donkey and People are throwing uh, uh, palm leaves in, in a sense of celebration because they thought that the Messiah, who would be a conquering king, was about to take over again, was about to crush the Romans, and was about to set them free from the horrible oppression that they were in. So it was a tremendous time of celebration. Uh, the be- the, the kind of um, oddness of that is that you know Jesus riding in on a donkey this, this, they were expecting this big conquering king and Jesus just takes this humble road. Uh, but nobody could see it. Yeah. But if they had seen it, maybe they would understand the rest of it a bit more, the rest of what happened a bit more surely. Why is Holy Wednesday often marked by darkness? Yeah, Holy Wednesday is, is always a tricky one. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's also called Spy Wednesday. Right, so it's a time when Judas... Uh, uh, betrayed Jesus. Uh, it's a, it's that part of the week where there is, is betrayal just before there is horror. It's such a complicated thing with Judas because he did that horrible thing, but then he realized that it was a horrible thing, but there was nothing he could do to get back from that. Like, which is, I mean, one of the tragedies of Judas, there are many tragedies, is he didn't really seem to have taken on board what Jesus says about forgiveness. So he, he did something horrible, couldn't get back, they couldn't find that space or that memory of Jesus talking about forgiveness. And I, I often say wonder uh, in relation to Jesus, well, you know, the first words from the cross were, Father forgives them, they don't know what they're doing. And I wonder whether Jesus was talking to, to Judas. Now, Judas, who had at least at one point been a close friend, a close brother, um, it must have broken his heart for that to happen. And for these first words, it just would be it just fascinates me that was he speaking to Judas? But yeah, so uh, Spy Wednesday is that place of betrayal. Why do Christians celebrate Monday Thursday quite often with a Passover supper? Yeah, well, Monday was was a, was a time where the but um, the disciples and Jesus had what's described as the, the Last Supper. So they'd been together for a long time, and they knew each other well, and they gathered together in the upper room, and they ate together, and they broke bread together. The fascinating thing about that eating and drinking is the way in which 
it represents the broken body of Jesus is to come. And so, even though the disciples, one of the, I mean, one of the interesting things about the disciples is that they never really seem to work out who Jesus was. Like, um, but Jesus perseveres. And even around that table, when they were going through all of that and the symbolism of that, they, they still hadn't quite worked it out. But that supper is, is, is obviously profoundly important for Christians because we celebrate that time and time again. Now, and when we do celebrate that, we go back to that upper room and we remember the, both what Jesus did then, but also what he was about to do for all of us in that sense. And so in the brokenness of the bread shared amongst the disciples uh, is actually one of the sources of our uh, remembering a redemption. And what happened on Good Friday and why do we call it good when it feels like actually a day of horrors? It's a good question. But what happened though on uh, Good Friday was the crucifixion of, of Jesus. Um, and I guess we call it good because uh, it is the source of our redemption comes through the brokenness of Jesus and the cross. So clearly that's a good thing to happen. But actually, when you read the gospel narrative of, of what goes on there, it's far from good in that sense. The horrors, the brokenness, the things that, that went through there. Um, but Good Friday is there because it reminds us that Jesus' sacrifice opens up that space uh, that enables us to find um, uh, eternal life with God uh, and to find redemption and to find the forgiveness of sins. So th there is lots of good even in the midst of the horror of, of that Friday. And why is a cross one of the most important symbols in Christianity? Because I suppose in some senses it's a little bit like people wearing uh, the, the symbol of an electric chair or something around their neck, kind of as a piece of joy. That feels quite gruesome. It's, well, it kind of is gruesome in some senses. Um, uh, and there's nothing... Well, there's a, there's a beauty in the cross, but the beauty in the cross comes from the emptiness of the cross. So the cross symbolizes that horrible act that occurs in, in Good Friday where Jesus' broken body is battered and stabbed and all of these things. Um, but then it's taken off the cross and the cross sits empty. Uh, and then you, you have the rest of the story that, that takes us into the resurrection. So the cross itself just reminds us of what Jesus has done for us and pushes us into the future as to what he continues to do for us. So we remember, but we remember with a view to uh, uh, allowing that memory to transform the future. So yes, at one level, it is quite gruesome in that sense, but, but that's kind of the point. You're listening to Unapologetic from Premier Unbelievable. John, why is it important that we don't just brush over the suffering of Holy Saturday and move straight on to the to the resurrection where Jesus is kind of gloriously raised? What is the value of kind of resting in that suffering of Holy Saturday? It would be very easy to make the resurrection a fantasy or an escape. But somehow, you know, we live uh, on that side of the resurrection uh, rather than on the Holy Saturday says. What Holy Saturday reminds us is that suffering continues. That there is a dark space that we, many of us, uh, well, all of us reside in, and many of us reside in, in in pretty unpleasant ways. So, what, in my opinion, Holy Saturday does is it holds us back. It holds us back from uh, 
celebrating before there's something to celebrate. So there's obviously plenty to celebrate in, in the resurrection, but it holds us back and reminds us that we're not there yet. It's, it prevents us from developing a, a theology of glory. This glosses over suffering and moves straight to the resurrection. Holy Saturday help says, no, some people are here and we need to sit with them. It may be you. And if you, if you glance across the world, many people are living absolutely in the Holy Saturday in the, in the continued suffering in that sense. Like, so if we are constantly just moving across to the resurrection without taking seriously that space that many of us are writing just now, then, uh, you know, Martin Luther talked about the idea of a theology of glory and a theology of the cross. Then we move to a theology of glory. Instead of looking at the cross, we look beyond the cross towards that imagined fantasy life where there's, where, um, uh, where there's no suffering. So it draws our attention to suffering just now, but at the same time, uh, it enables us to, to, to look hopefully to the uh, uh, post-resurrection life where there is no more suffering, no more tears, tears and no more goodbyes. Easter Sunday is obviously integral to Christianity, but if Jesus really rose from the dead, then what difference does that make? I would have answered this question slightly differently three years ago than I would now. But So three years ago, I would say that uh, Western society in particular lived in a, a death-denying culture. So we would... You know, it's the kind of language we use, we use useful business for death, she's passed away or whatever it is. And so we're constantly running away from, from the idea that, that, that uh, we're going to die something. And one of the reasons for that is that, um, think about it this way. Um, in the Middle Ages, the um, everything was understood in, in relation to God, Right. And so your laws, your education, your, the whole universe was understood in that way. So God sits at the center of the universe. So you have a story that explains death, that explains what happens after death. Then you have that period in cultural history called the Enlightenment, where we shift across. We say that human beings through intellect and reason can do everything that uh, God used to be able to do. But then you have a, a, a hundred years where human beings have killed more human beings than at any other period in history, people begin to say, well, maybe it's not working out quite the way we want to. Um, and so what happens when that happens? You've no score story to explain what's going to happen after your, your life, so your current life becomes really, really important. And so therefore, um, your health becomes important, your looks become important, your vitality becomes important, and you become a death-denying culture because you've you, you no story to explain that. With the coming of the pandemic, we talk about death all the time. There's still not any any necessarily coherent cultural story, but there's a constant talk about death because suddenly, we, as a globally, we realise that we're mortal, and then you have the fear of nuclear war possibly in 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 Europe, and suddenly death is on our horizon again. Um. What I think that the resurrection does is it takes away that fear. It takes away that anxiety. And it gives us back the story that actually death is not the end. That we don't have to simply shape and form our whole life for the present. and <clears throat> That we can actually have a story that enables us to live into our lives in a way that, yes, we will die, but there's something beyond that. 
So that urgency of trying to hold on to life, but that you know, trying to make yourself look younger, trying to make yourself look more powerful, whatever way, that urgency is taken away from you, and suddenly you can live your life with a peaceableness that enables you to live faithfully, to live joyfully, and to live hopefully in the light of the resurrection. So I think that that's one way in which we can understand what the resurrection does. And why do you, Professor John Swinton, believe that the resurrection actually happened, that Jesus was really risen from the dead? I believe it because I have faith, right? So, and what are the, I mean, that, because it's interesting because very often people say that, you know, if you believe this kind of things, you have to leave your brain behind. And, and so to have faith is somehow, you know, something that is... Um, anti-intellectualist. But that depends on how you describe faith, right? So the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews 11, he describes faith as being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot know or do not know. So that's not a matter of, you know, I've got to, I've got to know so much, I've got to hold on, I've got to really understand this. It's a matter of handing yourself over to God. Be sure of what you hope for, certain of what you can't know. So I don't have to believe it. And I don't have to have a rationale for it, which sounds ridiculous because it, culturally it is ridiculous. It just makes sense to me. It makes sense to me in the light of what I know about Jesus. It makes sense to me in the light of what I know about the gospel, what the what scripture. It makes sense to me in the way that, that I, I know about those Christians around me who, who love one another, who behave in particular ways. Um, so I believe because I have faith, because I'm sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not know. And what hope does the resurrected Jesus bring to people who are suffering? You spent 15, 16 years as a psychiatric nurse. You work a lot with um, people who are suffering. What hope does Jesus bring in the midst of that? Well, at one level, what the hope is that Jesus brings is that you're not alone in your suffering. Because I think suffering can be a really lonely place, particularly if you're in pain or if you're kind of losing a lot of the things that were giving you hope and purpose and meaning before. I think the presence of Jesus and the recognizing that Jesus himself has gone through certain things and so therefore is able to identify with you and you with him is at least, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't fix the problem, but it means it begins to break down that, that loneliness uh, and begins to open up that space for thinking about God as a companion in the midst of this, rather than somebody who will necessarily take us out of that, because God doesn't always take us out of our suffering. And you know, it's very clear from Scripture that God. Sometimes we just read the Psalms of Lament. Sometimes we're, we're just left there, and uh, the, but never left in the sense of abandoned, but left in the sense of it's not going to go away. And I think that sense of, of companionship, that sense of being with God in the midst of this, is. A beginning point for for dealing creatively and faithfully with, with suffering. It doesn't take away, but it, it helps. And I guess sometimes we might think of Holy Week just as a one-week thing, and perhaps for, for a week we remember some of these things that happened in the lead-up to the cross and the resurrection. But how do we ensure that our lives are actually, I guess, kind of perpetually informed by the massive things that happened in Holy Week? One of the things that the story of Holy Week does is it gives us a kind of interesting map for life, right? So we have a destination, we have the resurrection. So 
as Christians, we can be sure that things ultimately will, are in the hands of God will, will be all right. But the kind of way in which the um, the Holy Week works itself out from Palm Sunday through to Good Friday to the Holy Saturday, these are all aspects of life that we go through on various occasions. At one level, they're historical because they happened once to, 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 in the life of Jesus. But these emotions, these feelings, these ways of being in the world are things that we can all, we do all experience. So I think that, that Holy Week offers us different spaces, places to go to when we're going through in, in different uh, kind of moods and different feelings and going through different things. There's a different aspect of Holy Week that we can identify sometimes and maybe Holy Saturday. Uh, and maybe just that we need to sit there and, and understand the depth of the, the, the pain and the suffering we're going through, always in the light of the resurrection. And maybe Palm Sunday, we were thinking, this is fantastic. The life is like this, this great. And so it, it, does, it gives us a, a way of thinking about the, the kind of complex diversities of, of the way that our lives are. Um, but there is one interesting thing, though. You think about Palm Sunday. Um, uh the we talk about well just, let me re rewind a little bit in relation to the pandemic we all talk, we talk about this new world that's going to be emerging from the pandemic or a new way of being um and i always think about that in the light of the uh of the uh, uh of palm sunday so palm sunday everybody was really excited everybody was really uh, hoping for great things and then what happened was uh, they ended up with this passion story and then the resurrection. So the resurrection was completely different from the expectations that they had in Palm Sunday. And so what the resurrection sometimes does is it modifies our expectations. So we may have great expectations for what a good life is, what the post-pandemic life is, whatever way you want to frame it like. But God is full of surprises. And the resurrection is, is the biggest surprise of that also. I think, the, you know, Palm Sunday, these things, this teach us to look at the world differently and to look at ourselves and our own exuberance sometimes differently and our own expectations. John, thank you so much. It feels like all that there is left to do is to wish you a very happy Easter. And to you. Thank you for joining us on Unapologetic with me, Ruth Jackson. As always, you can find out more about our guest through the links with today's show. Please do let us know what you think of the programme by emailing unbelievable at premier.org.uk or you can get in touch on social media. And don't forget to visit premierunbelievable.com for more shows, articles and resources. Thank you for listening and see you next week. You've been listening to Unapologetic. For more shows, resources and our newsletter, visit premierunbelievable.com.